Welcome to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Durow. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives and works in Burlington, Ontario, and runs an advisory practice named Three Hats Financial. Let's get to it. Welcome to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth with Chris Durow of Three Hats Financial. I'm Patrice Sikora. In this episode, Chris looks beyond the coronavirus and highlights five smart money moves as we transition to a world where face coverings and social distancing may be the norm. Chris, you say going through transition, your money will go into motion. Could you explain that? Hey, Patrice. I've mentioned before that whenever life goes in transition, which for adults is quite a bit, that your money is going to be involved in that since there's going to be a lot of decisions that need to be made while you're going through transition. And your money is going to be following those decisions and it's directly involved with going through transitions. So it's important to address that and have a plan for that. We just basically went through one of the biggest timeouts ever. (laughs) And right now it is a time of change and transition. Mm -hmm. This is why we wanted to just have a chat about five key things that people should be looking at. Now that we're slowly starting to kind of get back to a couple of the things that used to be before all of this started. A couple of things, you're right. It's not coming back right away, is it? No, but it's we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel and some people are starting to slowly get back into some routine. And that's why we want to have this chat now before things fully open or life gets back to somewhat the new norm, which we'll be talking a lot about mm. today. If the world opened up tomorrow, everything goes back to pre-COVID, do you ask your people if they are going to go back to their old routine? What would they change? Yeah, I've been having a lot of these discussions with clients, family, friends. It's been overwhelming to just the discussions on this and how how people are like, I didn't realize I was doing this and how much that was impacting my life. And I don't want to go back to that. So I want to change this or change my work environment or change how much I commute. We've just been having a lot of those conversations. And that's where I, I come back and touch on what you just mentioned, Patrice. If the world just changed the close sign and flipped it to open, are you just jumping back in or do you want to change things? And if so, if you want to change things, you can't just throw it up in the air and say that. You actually have to have a bit of an action plan. And you have two exercises you like to take your clients through? Yeah. So right now, number one out of the first, out of all the five things we're going to go through today, number one, the first is figuring out what your new normal is going to be. If you just plan to go back to the exact same way it, it, it was, then obviously there need, doesn't need to be a whole lot of discussion on this. Mm-hmm. But for some people, even if they want to go back to exactly how it was, they might not even have a choice depending on the work environment and everything else. But regardless, from a personal standpoint, what do they want to either cut out or change? And two exercises that we're running clients through right now to kind of assess this is one is called our return on life index exercise where it just focuses on 10 key areas of an individual's life, such as I'll just give you Mm -hmm. a couple examples, like your return on work, like your work environment, where you live, your achievement, current levels of achievement, relationships, health. So that's just to name a few. And 
after running a client through all that, what it gives us is it gives us that where the client is now picture, which helps identify areas in their life that may be affecting others and gives us an idea on, okay, here are a few things we need to work on. How can we build an action plan to now address this and more importantly, keep you accountable? Now, some of these areas of stress could impact an area that they didn't expect. Yeah, like the client doesn't like their job. They hate the commute, which at the end of the day leaves them less time for family because they're driving up and down the highway. Now that affects relationships with the family, stresses them out because they're not home as much. And now there's less time for important things as well too, such as fitness or hobbies. And like I said, it's affecting relationships, health, and all of this, but the individual hasn't been able to identify that this stems to the main issue of their work environment. Mm -hmm. Really what it is, Patrice, is for the first time, almost giving someone a numeric value or a score or rate of return on their life. And that's a first for many because they've never really seen a numeric value or score on this. Right. You don't use numbers for your life. No. And that's where it's always interesting when people look at the first time, it's like, they're looking at it like, did I fail? I'm like, no, you didn't, you didn't fail life. And everyone's values are different. It just, it gives us, it's easier for us to measure if we were able to attach a numeric value to it. Tell me about the second exercise. The second exercise is called the financial lifeline. I actually did a full podcast, just not a long, but what the financial lifeline is, is that's now the, where they are going picture. So it's basically a map we create together with them going through all kinds of transition and life events that may or may not come up. We map out those known or potential transitions coming up and then we have discussions and put plans in place to help them prepare for that as much as possible because it's better to be ready for these and prepare for them than all of a sudden they land in our lap and we have to scramble and try and repair the situation. Now, Of course, with life, doesn't matter how many discussions you have, there's going to be things that come out from left field that we never expected. But there's still a lot of things that we can discuss and have a plan for. And that's kind of why the what we do with the lifeline. But why it's important right now is because people are making a lot of changes. And it's important for us to be having those discussions. Tell me about your story. My wife, Tina and I, we've been having obviously a lot of discussions like like many couples have been throughout this whole period. One thing we were discussing was, it's so funny because you just get, you get caught up in life. And even though you're kind of like, you know what, I don't know if this is definitely the right way to be going. You just get caught up into it and you almost get numb to it. You just keep just doing it. One of the things that we identify like, okay, we got to make a change to is the kids sports. With the three kids that we have, we had minimum per week, 15 sporting events. 15? 15. And that didn't include Tina and I doing anything. That's just the three kids. Oh, wow. We'd work, we'd fly home at night. Kids are home from school. Well, not even night, like right after school, three, three, ten, four around then. And we're both flying in from work. We're jamming food down their throats. We're packing hockey equipment, gymnastic equipment, figure skating, soccer equipment, all that stuff. Grabbing cliff bars and water bottles and trying to get all that figured out. And then for the rest Mm. of the evening, Tina and I are passing each other up and down the highway, dropping one kid off in an arena or or a skating rink and going and grabbing the other. And we do that all till about 9.30 each night. And then we all drop in our beds and then repeat the next day. Wow. And 
like the sports we believe are obviously really important for the kids. We just got kind of caught up and just started letting them do more than one. And that's where the problem came. So the thing that we're going to change with that is we agreed that, okay, per season, one sport per child, and they got to figure out which one they want to do. Just because like a lot of people, we're just really enjoying the downtime, the family time, like eating dinners together. Right. Even just watching my kids play together. They never really like, of course, when we go away or weekends, they, they'd have some time to do that, but not a ton. And just watch them play together more was really interesting because they just, they haven't had that much time together. Right. And a lot of other parents have said the same thing as just seeing their kids play together, which you wouldn't think is a huge deal, but we get so busy that we forget, Hey, they don't have a whole heck of a lot of time to do that. So that, and then we're just, I drive quite a bit still for work. So we're, I'm going to be cutting that down for sure. And we had a discussion about it, how we're going to change it and just looked at it and said, okay, what clutter can we get rid of now that we've had a time to get a clear picture? What do we not want to be affecting on what we cherish most? That was just a personal exercise we went through. You had one very telling example here. You tell you have a fire pit. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a backyard that we over the years have just made a nice spot to sit and relax in, but we never really use it. So just an example is just a simple fire pit. Usually in the summer, we go through just two tanks of propane. And before June, we had already gone through five. I know it doesn't sound like a huge deal, but it just shows like <laughs> how, how much more time we've had to just sit with family and yeah. well, not too much family because you're not allowed, but just interesting, just little things like that. But now we got to be realistic here. Whatever your new normal is, you are still going to need cash flow. You may have built up additional debt during this time. Tell me about cash flow first, though, because you say that is key. So we'll jump into number two now, which is cash flow and, and debt analysis. Some of the questions you've been asking clients is, did you struggle going through the last few months without a regular paycheck? Did you have to tap into other resources? Do you have a plan to replenish those resources? What is your current debt level? Did you have to put on more? Or some people, because their expenses had changed, actually may have even potentially decreased some. There's always talk about a potential second wave. If there is or there isn't, it's just good to have a chat like, all right, we just had a pretty lifelong learning lesson here with going through this once. Like anything in life, if we had to go through it again, are you going to change something? Did you learn anything? As you mentioned, I always say cash flow is key, that we ha you have to know what that looks like. And a lot of people, they just go like wing it. They just have money come in their bank account go through life, their monthly expenses, and just kind of hope that there's enough money left at the end of the month. And if I tell people that, it sounds crazy, but majority of people, you know that you've never sat down there and really broken it down on where your money's going. Some have, but majority haven't. Mm -hmm. I always say with cash flow in, in the family, it's like a business. If you took a business owner, a successful business owner, they absolutely need to know what money's coming in and what money's going out. Even to the extent I've had some business owners come, become on as clients and they know their business inside and out and cash flow, but they have no idea about the personal side. Amazing. And that's why it's just important to know what that looks like. Do you have any forms that you have clients use to help them with their cash flow? With our clients, we, we have a whole cash flow plan and program that we put them through and it's a virtual one that they update and it lets us see it and we can always double check it and everything else like that when they call in and have questions and things. 
that we have, and it just goes through what their negotiable, non-negotiable expenses are. Non-negotiable is your non-discretionary expenses, such as your every month, regardless, you're paying your utilities, you're paying your fuel, your groceries. The negotiable expenses are hobbies, entertainment, things like that. It's really important that once you break down what your expenses are, that you have an idea of which ones are negotiable and which ones are non-negotiable because the non-negotiable ones are obviously essential, especially in times like this, when cash flow gets cut, you got to make sure that you have enough to have those covered. So it's important to understand the two. For any listeners, if you go to our resource section, our website, there's a Excel spreadsheet there that you can just use if you've never done one as well. All right. Now tell me about the debt side. We mentioned like things may have changed for people going through this and they may have had to put more on a line of credit or potentially on credit cards and things like that. Now you may want to look at what is the easiest way to tackle this. And with debt, simplifying definitely helps versus having all these multiple loans or credit cards or things like that. It's definitely easier when you have one that you can tackle opposed to many. Simplifying can also even increase cash flow because if you're consolidating it and getting it all on a lower interest rate, well, that's just a, a benefit. But what's really important is when you do that, you got to make sure there's a plan put in place to address that. A lot of people at the end of their mortgage term, they go to the bank. Bank just, of course, says, let's remortgage and put it all together and give you a lower monthly payment, which is great. But then nothing has been put in place to change the behavior. And now once that mortgage is done, they're going to be in the exact same situation. So you always have to have a plan to address that. An example I use for this for clients is when they get a bonus from work. A lot of times I'll just say real quick, the last three bonuses, the last three years, your bonuses quickly, tell me what you did with them. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, I don't know. I think the one last year we used for maybe this. And with that, it's, it's important. They give them bonuses that you have a plan for, because if you just dump it in your bank account, it's just going to leak out. It's not going to change your life or change anything. It's just going to leak out and not really make a difference. Whereas if you have it earmarked for something such as paying down a portion of your line of credit or making an extra payment on your mortgage, or even for an experience like a family trip, that's good. That's great. At least you've earmarked to where that money is going. You mentioned refinancing and with interest rates so low, I would think that would be a good option, but some people think it's going to cost them too much money. With simple refinancing, there's that common misconception that they they have to break their mortgage and they're going to pay all these ridiculous fees to the bank to do that. It's not necessarily the case. You can blend your existing term in with a new term and kind of avoid that. Also, if you have a good mortgage broker, they can also determine if it's better to maybe break it and just tack the fee into the mortgage but save you money because we're right now at rock bottom interest rates. So it's just another tool in the toolbox to be aware of and just have a discussion. Simple things with all of this has changed just as far as the appraisals being done on the houses now for your mortgages and the lawyer signing, it's all virtual. It's easier to get these opinions or options than you think. So it's just important for people to be aware of it. Well, the stock market dropped in March. We know that it was it was more than enough to stress out investors. What do you say to clients going forward? That would be number three is I want to make sure I get, <laughs> I don't right, forget or, right. or, or shortchange listeners number. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. So horizon of risk assessment, that was now the next area that you got to look at for your portfolio. So as you mentioned, Patrice, we just went through one of the quickest market drops ever. Markets have gone down over 20% before, but they just have never gone down that fast. Any market drop is going to be emotions, but when it plummets that fast, there's, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of people with a heck of a lot of mixed emotions. <laughs> Definitely. With that, we're asking the clients, how did that make you feel? Did it make you anxious? Were you able to somewhat stay calm? Did you want to call me every second day? Uh, my clients are fantastic and mm-hmm. we've been spending quite a bit of time over this the last two years. So I actually didn't really get a whole bunch of calls, but I also still want to make sure they just didn't call because they felt like they were bugging me or something like that. I want to make sure like, were you just trying to be too nice and not call me? Mm-hmm. But let's have a discussion on that because I want to make sure that if it freaked you out, then we need to just make sure that you're still in the proper risk level and that your time horizon hasn't changed because maybe that was set up perfectly before all this has happened. And now there is some changes going through your mind and we need to revisit that. Why is it important for you to know your investment risk level? It's expectations. You need to know your portfolio, kind of how it's invested. Are you in a conservative balance or growth mandate? And what does that look like in bad years and in good years. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, nobody has a crystal ball, but for us, we take our clients through and say, this is how this portfolio reacted in 2008. Like before this, that was one of the biggest, bigger drops we had had. So we kept referencing back. This is what this portfolio looked in 2008. This is how much it went down. Here's what it did in the bad years. Here's what it did in the good years. This gives you roughly an idea of where that portfolio will fluctuate. Does that make you feel like you want to get a paper bag out and throw up because it's gone down too much? (laughs) And if that's the case, you're reaching for a paper bag, you're in the wrong portfolio. We just want to make sure that they understand that. Over the years, more than one occasion, we've had new clients come in and it's be a couple in their 60s and they'll say, yeah, I don't really want much risk. I just want something that gets a bit better of a return over a GIC. And then I'll look at their portfolio and be like, you are in a growth mandate of close to 80% equity. And they're like, so is that good or bad? And I'm like, well, that is definitely not aligned or even close to what you're saying. So we need to make some changes now that you're a new client coming on. It sounds crazy, but I, like I said, I've had that happen more than one occasion. It's just really important for them to have an idea of what they're in. So the expectations are clear. An example I'll use is I tell clients, if you're in a conservative portfolio, you're in that because we've had a discussion on how much this can potentially go down in the risk level. That conservative portfolio is going to protect more on the downside of a bad market than a growth mandate. But that conservative portfolio is not going to hit you 15% returns year after year. That is like asking a Dodge Caravan to do 100 miles per hour, no problem down the highway. (laughs) It's not built for that. (laughs) That's what you've been driving the kids around in, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, my wife has some weird thing with not wanting minivans. I, I, I don't know. Well, moving back to the portfolios here, yeah. point four, portfolio rebalancing. Tell me about this. The environment's changed. You have interest rates at rock bottom. The banks have said they're going to keep them there for however long it takes. Maybe the old ways of portfolio design is not what is needed going through, going forward with the new normal. An example of, to keep it simple for clients is, Say that you had 60% of your money in equities and 40% of it in like fixed income. Mm-hmm. Well, that could have changed even though you didn't want it to just because of the markets. Meaning maybe now it's just 50-50. 
which isn't a bad thing, but you need to be aware of it. And now are you okay with a bit more of a conservative portfolio going forward? Or do you want to make sure that it just sits at that 60%? And then people might be like, well, I don't know. That's the advisor's job. Well, exactly. But you have to be having those discussions right. so they can explain to you what that means now for the long term of the portfolio. You want people to know what they're invested in. Tell me about ESG, SRI, what they are, and why this has suddenly become a thing for investors. It's always important for people to know what they're invested in. Many clients, they don't necessarily want to know like every single individual company. Some do, majority don't. You should still have an idea of like what you're invested in as far as where you are globally and your allocation to a certain extent. Now, in regards to the ESG and SRI, what, that's social responsible investing, or ESG is environmental, social, and governance. Right. Over the last few years, this area has really been picking up steam. We've been getting clients on a regular basis asking about this, but I really noticed actually more people asking around these in the last few months, just because there's a lot of talk about how the environment has changed just with everyone being timed out. Right. If you just Google cities before and after the lockdown, it's incredible how you see how much clearer the pictures of these cities are because the smog and just pollution has just dropped obviously dramatically. This has caused a lot more people to just, I guess, be interested in this, which I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that. This is why I wanted to just mention this podcast because we are getting quite a few more people asking about this. And it is important to know what you're invested in because when we have these deep conversations with people, I've even noticed over the years, they're so in line with their personal values. They know what they want. They donate to charities. They volunteer. They recycle. They'll talk about how they're worried about the environment for their children or grandchildren. But then they have absolutely no idea what they're invested in. Or when they first mm -hmm. set up their portfolio, it was... I don't know, here's my money, just get me a return. But they could be invested in companies that are completely opposite of their personal values. I just mentioned some examples of. That's where I mentioned that you really kind of want to have an idea of if those values are really strong to you on the personal side, that you make sure that your money isn't doing the opposite of that. And that's where the ESG and SRI, social responsible investing funds come in. Chris, you have a story related to this. Tell me about it. Well, the social responsible investing, it has value with me in the sense that my father was a fuel chemist and he did environmental tests on water, land, and air all over the world for 40 years. Way before recycling was even a thing, there was even a blue box. He was instilling these values way before this stuff was even popular or people were even knowledgeable about it. Those values were instilled on me from a very young age. So that's why I do enjoy talking about the social responsible investing funds because I do feel they are important. Now, it's not to say people come to us and they switch their entire portfolio over to it, but we have a lot of clients that they'll do some half or then we have some that will do 100%. That's up to them. It's just important to know that they exist and how they can fit a portfolio because even just from potential risk level, you're having pension managers now start to use these more so than ever because they tend to somewhat not be as aggressive as other funds in the same category. It's just, it, there's, there's no one answer for this for investors. It's just, once again, make sure you're aware of it. So if it fits your values, then great. You understand what your money's invested in. Mm -hmm. 
And your point five focuses on an individual's financial plan. Tell me more about this. This is now just basically stress testing your plan. So if you're five years out or close to retirement, have you updated your retirement income projection plan, gone through the changes that I always talk about cash wedges for retirees, meaning do they have two years of their income protected? Is that being utilized right now? And if so, what's the plan to get that replenished? And like right now for people close to retirement, we're taking their plans, I call them retirement income projection plans. We run them through four main things just to, to crash test them. And one is like we simulate market crashes at certain points in their plan. We use a thing called a loss capacity exercise that determines the amount that's invested in assets that you could potentially lose at a specific time, the minimum amount of rate of return they need, and retirement spending. And these things have really helped during these times because clients hear all the bad news on the on the on TV, on social media. And then when, when we go through all of this, we plug all the values, everything in right now, and they're like, oh, okay, so I'm actually completely fine. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so easy to get tied up with all the social media and that. That's that's what's more important. It's it's your individual situation, your individual plan that's important. You have to try and ignore all the other stuff out there because that's not individual to you. That can help alleviate that. And the whole point of point number five is just making sure that your plan has been reevaluated and that you've crash tested it. And if there's course corrections that now need to be made, made because of the environment, well, then you're having those discussions. What if you're not retired though, or you're not close to retirement? What should you be doing? Yeah, good question. The idea of the cash flow plan, once again, going through that and figuring out, okay, this has changed our cash flow, how this is going to go work going forward. Is there any new circumstances? Do we need to replenish the safety buckets that we used? Everyone's heard of, well, potentially everyone's heard of paying themselves first, which means you're getting your paycheck and you're taking money right off the top and putting that into savings or investments or other vehicles before the money just gets commingled in your checking account and gets spent over the month. Right. But that becomes even more important right now. And that's why it's important for people to have a plan for that. So for people that aren't retired, it's just reevaluating where they want to go, their cash flow plan, their savings plan, and making sure that all aligns. You also mentioned wills, making a will. That's another thing where this pandemic kind of shook quite a few people up. We had more people than usual get back to us about the will. One thing with wills is I mean, everybody procrastinates on those suckers, <laughs> everybody. So the one positive thing was because it shook people up, they're like, okay, you know, I know you've been bugging me for this every time we meet, uh, let's get this done. The The record was four years. I mean, whoa. Four, for four years, every meeting, it's been on the checklist and they feel guilty whenever I remind them. And that individual finally got it done. So it took a global pandemic and the world <laughs> shutting down for him to get his will done. And if someone wants to get a little, I don't want to say, I don't want to scare you, but I did a whole podcast on that because that is obviously really important to get that done. And like I said, everybody procrastinates on that. All right. Now, tell me your story here too. You've got another one. I've had many people over the last couple of months just saying, well, I'll take one client, for example, he was just like, called me in disbelief. And he's like, holy cow, was I ever doing things wrong? I was just on this hamster wheel, working ridiculous hours, being overwhelmed in my life. And I kind of knew I wasn't doing things right, but I just wasn't taking part in life or enjoying as much as I should. 
And he's just like, now that I've had a chance to get off that hamster wheel, I'm reevaluating some of the priorities in my life. And I need to make some changes Like this is, I am not letting this go to waste. With that individual, he's not one that usually talks about that stuff. It didn't shock me the comments. It just shocked me that the individual came from because mm -hmm. they just never really talked about that stuff. And after going through this, it kind of really shook him up. So oh. right now is a great time for any, all the listeners just to revisit this and just make sure that they're in line with your new normal going forward. For anyone listening to this, you're not alone. If you'd like to have a chat about any of this info here, please just let us know and we can review your current situation. Or if there's any of these points you want to have a chat with, you can just simply go to my website and you can book a 20 minute conversation with me. It goes directly to my calendar and you can do it online. So uh, please don't feel like you have to try and tackle all this stuff by yourself. What is that website, Chris? Threehatsfinancial.ca. All right, great. Spot on, Chris, all of this. Chris DeRow of Three Hats Financial. To subscribe to additional episodes of The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, tap the subscribe button on this page. You can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Investment Corporation. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.